Welcome to Chowder and Grits. Today is Thursday, May 30th, and we are jumping into spring football recaps. Got some ACC news to get to, the special announcement around some power rankings, but uh, first, Tim, did you get me anything? I didn't. I didn't, and I should have. I'm totally ashamed. You don't know what today is? I don't know what today is. Well, we're recording this on a Wednesday, Tim, May 29th. It's our... It's our six-month anniversary of doing this podcast. What? Yeah. What? Wow, that's a, what a monumentous occasion that is. Yeah, so I'm just going to go ahead and return the gift I got you, because I think it's just weird if I give it to you now. But just wanted to bring that up, man. It's been uh, it's been quite a run so far. We've got 20, almost 25 episodes under our belts, and uh, it's been good. We've seen our following increase uh a tad still growing still trying to get uh get the word out so you as a viewer spread the word let people know that we are a virginia tech acc football and basketball focused podcast bringing you all the best content on a weekly basis and during the regular season we're going to bring you two episodes a week so get ready what for a that. deal what a I deal two podcasts a week and you pay nothing really absolutely nothing i mean if you wanted to pay us and like reviews and or you know word of mouth we'll take it absolutely we'll take it all day uh so tim memorial day weekend this past weekend uh anything spectacular go on you know i wouldn't say spectacular for me it was spectacular because for the first time what feels like ever at least since i've had my child we didn't do anything at all over the course of a three-day weekend Usually those three-day weekends are reserved for traveling, going to see family, yada, yada, yada. We didn't do any of that. Um, I smoked some ribs with my buddy. Uh, We enjoyed that. You know, it was great getting to hang out, drink a little beer, watch some baseball. I mean, Memorial Day weekend, great weekend. Uh, Don't want to lose sight uh, for the occasion, obviously. Hats off and and thoughts and prayers are with all the soldiers that have died defending our nation um, and certainly died after their watch ended, but, you know. Um, great weekend and certainly a really good occasion. And and I had a blast, man. How about you? Uh, you know, pretty much the same thing did not travel, which was great because, uh, both the wife and I professionally travel quite a bit and we do quite a bit of traveling just in general as a family. So always good to kind of sit back at home, catch your breath a little bit. Uh, especially over a long weekend, but yeah, nothing, uh, nothing too intense. Just um, wish there was some football on. There wasn't. Oh, man. oh. Um, but it, you know, it just gave me gave me a little bit more of an increase focused on this podcast, which is what we're going to do today. Podcast. Sure. sure. But the Hokies they open on Saturday against the Boston College Eagles on the road. It is uh, a big game considering Boston College actually beat the Hokies last year, but. You know, Tim, not to switch gears here, but we've got some breaking news that is affecting the Virginia Tech men's basketball program. Uh, Kerry Blackshear, who basically the MVP, a player who will change the entire dynamic of next season if he decides to come back, has withdrawn his name from consideration of the NBA draft. So what does that mean? One, it means he's not going pro in the NBA. Uh He says via his Instagram page and John Rothstein on Twitter that he is still weighing all of his grad transfer options. Um, So it is not out of the question that he returns to Blacksburg. 
Um, it's hard to kind of put any stake into what we've been hearing about what he's going to do, but at least we know something around Kerry Blackshear, um, and hopefully in the next day or so we'll see him land back in Blacksburg, but kind of an odd, uh, just an odd process that's kind of hit the Hokies this year with all the grad transfers. Most of them have come back, but Blackshear is just that one wild card who he was getting recruited by Kentucky there for a while. Uh, that seems like it kind of faded away, but there are still other programs that would love to have Kerry Blackshear on the roster. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a no-brainer for any program in the nation. Uh, you know, he, if he returns, he'll be one of the uh, – I mean, imagine he'll come in preseason first-team All-ACC – um, as well as plenty of other accolades. He's an absolutely awesome big man, especially if you're looking for an athletic guy who can stretch the floor, um, can run the four or the five, although he's really more suited as a four or a stretch three if you're talking NBA uh, potential. But, um, yeah, I mean, what a big piece he would be for Mike Young and the Hokies to go ahead and reel him back in. And if football um, and basketball to this point are anything to go on, we should expect him to uh, come back to Virginia Tech because – that's the way the Hokies are operating recently. Yeah, you know, uh, something else with the Hokies on the recruiting trail, jumping back to football and really just around the program, we're seeing all of the grad transfers, early enrollees, uh, new freshmen um, arrive on campus. Uh, so summer, I'm not going to say practice is underway, but weightlifting, summer classes, stuff like that are uh, getting ready to gear up. And uh, the Hokies also got a big commit for the 2020 class, three-star running back C.J. Beasley. He's a guy who, in his junior year in high school, had 2,400 all-purpose yards, 23 touchdowns, yep. uh, almost 1,800 yards rushing, 19 TDs on the ground, um, and can also catch the ball in the air. So, uh, nice little add there for the Hokies out of the backfield. This is a school that has not had a elite running back since David Wilson. And I believe he departed after the 2011 football season when he won ACC Player of the Year. So it's right. it's been a while for Virginia Tech, for a university that used to just be just flooded with running back talent, especially back to the Absolutely. Lee Suggs, Kevin Jones, Untouchable Days, Darren Evans, mm-hmm. Ryan Williams, David Wilson. I'll even throw Cedric Humes in there. Brandon Orr had a nice little run yeah. for a year. So, um just a team that has really kind of been lacking from that position. So it's, it's really up for grabs and it's a position I'm going to be watching closely in the summertime this year. Yeah. I mean, you want to go back to the days of Virginia tech, having an absolute workhorse back and really, this is an evolution of college football too. The, the workhorse backs are, are kind of days gone. You know, it's a bygone era. If it's not Alabama, you don't really think about that anymore as the pro style offenses kind of, you know, go by the wayside, you're left with a lot of receiving all purpose backs that, um, you know, in some cases can put up gaudy numbers, but in a lot of cases too, are being, uh, set up with a running back by committee approach. I really, really hope that uh, Virginia tech can go back to an identity of, of pounding the rock on the ground. Um, really any offensive identity would, would suit me at this point in time, but that especially, like you said, it just, it feels like tradition, um, I like Beasley a lot. I think if Beasley was about 20 pounds heavier, he would be a four-star prospect because the guy is absolutely athletic as heck. He's electric. 
Um, he can seemingly do everything well. And more importantly, he's out of the 757. And, and that's, a, that's a recruiting pipeline that we're going to have to make sure that we continue to tap into because we aren't using it and we don't have the stranglehold on the 757 that we once had. Yeah, you know, actually, Tim, uh, his teammate, Keandre Lambert, he is a four-star wide receiver target of the Hokies. Uh, for the 2020 class as well. So hopefully that little Beasley-Lambert connection, hopefully they're friendly, uh, will work out in the uh, Hokies' favor for next year. All right, Tim, but let's go ahead and jump into our spring football recap. So uh, in case you missed last week's episode, we are recapping everything um, that has gone on in the ACC from a football program standpoint, basically from the end of last season through spring practice and – you know, any news that we have up until the date to which we are coming to you. And that being said, we're going to go in verse order of how the team's finished. So we are going worst to first, which means, guess who's up, Tim? The Louisville Cardinals. Exactly. So to recap our friendly Kentucky ACC brethren, 0-8 in conference play. 2-10 2-10 and 10 overall with their only wins against Indiana State and Western Kentucky. Six of their last seven games, Tim, they gave up at least 52 points on defense. That is a quite a difference from the program Satterfield was leading in App State, or at App State, I should say, and if you're not familiar, Scott Satterfield is the new head coach for the Louisville Cardinals. Bobby Petrino is no longer. He is free to ride his motorcycle about with anybody he chooses. App State is was ranked 6th in total defense last year. Louisville, a whopping 122nd. Uh, there's about 130 FCS programs, or FBS programs, I should say, in, um, in college football. And they were 108th in offense. So Satterfield has a lot of work to do. He's done nothing but really preach culture since he's been here. And uh, I think, Tim, not a lot of players like the culture that they're you know, going to have to be accustomed to. There have been 14 players now in the transfer portal for Louisville. Nine haven't committed yet, but eight of those players that are in that portal did so after spring practice. So a lot of change going on for Louisville. It's going to be a rough season, probably a rough couple of seasons for Satterfield, but uh, it's something that Louisville fans are going to really have to ride with. Um, and everything about the program has been different, Tim. Yeah. And like this year, they chose to just not have a spring game. And right. they opened up the last spring practice and 500 people showed up. Oof. So it's just, it's a rough time in Louisville right now. I think they got the right guy. I just don't know in today's age if they're going to be able to live through the first two, three years with Satterfield because they are going to be so bad. Right, right. They they definitely will be terrible. And, you know, it's one of those things that I don't feel uh, is such a crazy thing to say, obviously, given where they finished last year. Uh, I feel bad in a way for Scott Satterfield, uh, given, you know, the era we live in now with sports and, and college football bringing in so much money that patience has seemingly gone out of the window, even with coaches with massive buyouts. 
Uh, it seemingly doesn't matter with the way money's been throwing, you know, been thrown around in college football. Satterfield is is going right now. You know, he's essentially got what you think is a key card to a nice, fresh hotel room. You know, maybe a Marriott, something fairly decent, and he's going to go in, and it's going to be like the last guy. You know, room service never came in and cleaned up after him. You know, the, the cleaning service. He's going to walk in, and the bed's going to be disheveled. He, the, the the hand towels are going to be covered in what he hopes is crusty shaving cream, and He's got a mess to clean. It's awful. It's awful. It's awful. Petrino did him no favors. Um, and I hate it because, as you know, as we talked about on this podcast, I was super jacked about Scatterfield. Scott Satterfield. Uh, Scatterfield might be a good name for him. It's much easier. Um, but I was really jacked about him and high on his abilities, and I still am. I just – Louisville is a, is a lot to chew right now. It's a lot to bite off, and it's a big challenge for him. So I – you know – I hope he's able to succeed. I wouldn't mind seeing Louisville being good, but man, what a mess he inherited. Yeah, this is a team that didn't have a single player drafted for the first time since 2013, um, which was the year before Petrino came back. And, you know, I think with Satterfield, you know, you know what he's done at App State. I think the big question mark about him is we've only seen him at App State. What can he do elsewhere? Right, um, And so that's kind of his proving point. But, you know, he led a team to four straight 10-win seasons. He only had four conference losses. He was a big name. He wasn't the first name on Louisville's list. You know, no. they wanted Jeff Brom up at Purdue. That's right. Uh, um, but Satterfield has just a lot of work to do. And, you know, he came in. He was given limited time for recruiting pulled in one of the lower rated recruiting classes in in the last decade for the for the school so uh the cupboard is bare it's bare from a transfer portal standpoint it's bare just from a recruiting standpoint um but you know i i did find it odd and i i really don't know what to make of this you know there wasn't a spring game to analyze right their theme for the spring was reps for everybody they didn't focus on depth chart there is no depth chart at the moment. Um, it was just a bunch of guys getting reps, uh, and basically it was just like whoever steps up and is making plays, you're the guy that's going to be getting, you know, the reps today. So, just, there's just a ton of a ton that, of question marks. That's <laughs> like, knows what to think. That's one of the most sad taglines I've ever heard for a spring in my life. Yeah, everybody gets reps. Holy hell, you know you're an absolute fire sale. When you're you're trotting out that as your spring motto, I can see why 25 people uh, showed up for the last spring practice. That's brutal. Um, but yeah, you're you're right. I mean, it, it's it's a tall task. Um, it's not easy, right? I, I'm sure I'm probably stealing maybe some of your thunder here. But he starts off with Notre Dame, which is going to be real fun. Um, it's going to be a tough uh, first year for him, and I'm sure he and uh, Everybody with the Louisville program knows it. You have Dwayne Ledford, a guy who's got no offensive coordinator experience to speak of, of any consequence, coming over as NC State's a line coach, um, along with breaking in a new scheme um, and a depleted roster. So that, uh, you know, if they hit five and seven, I think they would consider that a successful season. Oh, I mean, five and seven, Tim, they should throw a parade. That's what I mean. It'd be fantastic. Yeah. I just I don't think that's going to happen, and you know we we are going to uh, preview everybody later, so I don't want to jump into that too much now. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean five wins parade would be 
would be and do for for the uh, for the Louisville Cardinals. But sure, you know, we'll see what happens there. Uh, not expecting a whole lot. Uh, you know, one team where I think expectations, Tim, are a little bit higher. North Carolina. Yeah. And the only reason I say that is not really anywhere to go but up for one, and for two, they brought in Mac Brown. Right. So Mac Brown, for those that don't know, which if you're listening to this, you probably know who Mac Brown is. Let's be honest. Um, we have smart listeners. You know, former University of Texas head coach. Uh, you know, did coach at UNC back in the day, but um, won a national title there. Hasn't coached since 2011, 2012, somewhere in that time frame. Um, and brought in an interesting staff. You know, he brought in Jay Bateman from Army, defensive coordinator. Right. They had the eighth right. uh, total defense of the country. UNC was 105th. Um, offensively, UNC wasn't terrible last year. They ranked 31st in total offense across the board. Um, only one player drafted in the NFL, Cole Holcomb, linebacker, fifth round by the Redskins. Their fewest number of players drafted since 2006. Um, and they had nine players in the transfer portal. Uh, two players arrived from the portal, two grad transfers. Mm-hmm. One was a kicker, uh, Michael Rubino from App State, who will be right. immediately eligible. And then uh, cornerback Cameron Kelly, four-star out of Auburn. He's probably going to have to sit out this year. Um, but nonetheless, he will be a nice ad for them in 2020. Sure. Um, so... You know, one of the things I was really excited to see was the uh, turnout that UNC had for the spring game. Yep. Um, I could not find an exact number, which I don't think is on purpose. Uh, I've seen estimates from five to 7,000, which to me, looking at the stadium, seems a little high. I've seen them up to about <laughs> yeah. 12,000. I'd say there was probably closer to about 2,500 people. Yeah, it, it, 3,000 to 2,000. Yeah, so somewhere yeah. in that ballpark for sure. Yeah, so not really the response uh, that Mac is probably used to seeing in Austin. Uh, but, you know, welcome to North Carolina. You know, that's uh, that's kind of what you signed up for. Mm. But, uh, you know, I do think North Carolina will be a team that is much improved over last year's 1-7 conference record. Oh, no doubt. Um, I do expect them to win some games. You know, on offense, they've got uh, a stud running back, Michael Carter. He did not really play in the spring, has a broken hand. Um, you know, an- another guy to watch out for is Antoine Green at wide receiver and then Brandon Fritz at tight end. Um, I think the big key position, and really for any team, is quarterback. And they've got three guys that are competing right now. So they've got Sam Howell, who's the true freshman who uh, spurred uh, Florida State at the last second and came to North Carolina. Yep. Uh, Cade Fortin and then Jace Reuter um, all got a lot of reps in the spring game. You know, I, I guess Reuter probably played the best, but... I don't really put a whole lot of how how guys played in the spring game because they're all going up against a different unit of defense. Uh, you know, maybe there was a big play that got them a bunch of yards. You mm-hmm. know, maybe there was a scheme. Maybe you know, a coach blew a whistle and the guy stopped running. Spring game stats are the most worthless stats there are. I think you just kind of look for the eye test and how guys mm-hmm. played. And from what I've seen, it's between Reuter and Howell. And Brown seems to be very high on Howell. Yeah. He says, yeah. 
for a freshman to walk out there in front of a crowd, um, you know, he made some throws. He really kind of impressed Brown is basically what, mm-hmm. what the quotes quotes for him were after the game. Yeah. I mean, well, it takes big stones to walk out in front of a crowd of 2,000 uh, fans who'd rather be anywhere else at the moment and have a good game. So <laughs> big props to him. Um, you know, Sam, and, and I will say Sam is, is the front runner. He's got a big arm. The kid's a, kid's a talent. Um, it's going to be one of those, can he put together the accuracy pieces that kind of plague some of those guys with big arms. Uh, if some people remember Harrison Beck for NC State, he was a guy that came in, um, which kind of reminds me of Howell in a way, uh, that came in with big expectations, transferring from Nebraska, and could chuck it about 70 yards in the air, but was one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen play football. So um, unfair for Sam is he's coming into a lot of expectations. And I think maybe some expectations where fans who've been uh, fair-weather UNC football fans for the past 25 years might be expecting the MAC teams of the 90s to show up, and that's not going to happen. Um, they are a far cry from where that program was at that time, and it's going to take some rebuilding, and, and it'll take MAC some time to get there. But, um, you know, as we pause for just a second... I just wanted to say the return of the Mac is one of the greatest songs ever recorded. And I'm super jealous that we aren't able to play that and use that in our marketing anywhere. And UNC needs to take the advantage of that any chance that they possibly can. They can uh, probably afford the rights. Um, but <laughs> you know, I think if there's a team that's going to start a freshman quarterback or a team in a situation that's going to, it's a team like North Carolina this year, because sure. You know why not? I mean, there's not a lot of great options. I mean, they are no. they are one loss away from everybody gets reps as a yeah. tagline. So. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, hey, if he struggles, take him out before that four game mark, and or if he gets hurt, guess what? He can redshirt him now with the new changes in in NCAA football. But um, typically, how co- or, uh, schedules are structured in college mm-hmm. is the weaker opponents are the first two to three weeks of the year maybe with one or two games that are decent thrown in there. So, you know, you want your younger guys to get as many reps in those games as possible. Why not make Hal the starter now? You know, it's a brown guy. He flipped him. Mm-hmm. He, to me, I'd be shocked if he doesn't ride with Hal. But yeah, we'll, we'll I, see what happens. Not only do I think he's going to ride with Hal, I think we will find out weeks before the first game that Howell is the guy. Um that wouldn't surprise me. He is Max guy. Uh, he's going to ride with him. And, you know, UNC will benefit a lot from the fact that Mac is there, and they'll be able to play with some of that confidence and swagger that they just, quite frankly, didn't have in Fedora's last couple of years. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's expected that they're going to finish outside of the top three of the Coastal Division. Absolutely. You'd have to think that the top three is going to be some, you know, some order of Miami, Virginia Tech, or Virginia finishing right. in the top three of that division so it's really for the taking it's it's there for the grabbing i mean like somebody has to step up in that division and try to compete with clemson i mean nobody from that division will compete with clemson this year unless no, some team no. just blows us away but right um yeah i mean anything's open but you know north carolina they're they're not a team that can win that division this year uh, somebody, a couple other guys who stood out offensively for them. Uh, Javante Williams was getting a lot of uh, a yeah. lot of press um, from coaches and media. So he was a guy who was 
fourth string last year, uh, but due to an injury and a couple of injuries, really, and a transfer, uh, he got a lot of reps, uh, really stood out in the spring just as far as practices and the game. He added 12 pounds of muscle during the spring. So that's pretty incredible. Um, Absolutely. Another guy who's getting a lot of uh, a lot of uh, press is tight end Carl Tucker. Um, big play guy. He had a 77-yard uh, play in the spring game. Um, you know, he's somebody – he only had 16 catches for 265 last year, and 80 of those yards came on one play. But he's a guy who uh, has been getting a lot of uh, a lot of hype in the, in the spring. And then, uh, you know, defensively, a unit that I'm really kind of watching, Tim, is the, uh, the defensive backs. And sure. why is that? I would guess it's because of Dre Bly. Dre Bly, of course. <laughs> Former UNC standout, NFL uh, alum. I won't say great. He was a solid NFL player. He's solid. He was a solid. Um, but, uh, you know, that's that's a group that, that could make some noise for this team. It, it might be one of their stronger positions, at least from a uh, starting position standpoint. Uh, they've got a couple of... Uh, a couple of adjustments there to make. KJ Salas, who was a guy who broke his hip last year, uh, he actually entered the NCAA transfer portal, so he's off the team. Then they had Corey Bell, who was a receiver last year, move to wide receiver, and he actually led the team in receptions um, during the spring game. Uh, but what they do have is Patrice Rene, who's probably going to be named to the preseason All-ACC team as a corner. Yep, rightfully um, so. Started 19 out of 33 games during his career. Uh, allowed 20 catches on 50 targets last year, which is the lowest completion percentage for any retur- returning cornerback in the ACC. And then you've got kind of a raw guy in Greg Ross, who was kind of thrown into it last year with the Solace injury. Um, and for Hokies fans out there, I would compare him a lot to either Caleb Far- Farley or uh, Bryce Watts. Just kind of take your pick. Um, gave up a lot of big plays, 40 catches on 57 targets, allowed 15 yards per reception. That being said, he got a lot of uh, good press in the spring. Uh, coaches seem to be very excited about him. And another guy who I am super excited about. His name is Storm Duck. Oh, Storm Duck, absolutely. <laughs> so this guy has been tearing up the spring. Um, has like really good size, really good speed. Uh, Mac Brown was just raving about this guy. Very impressed. Um, had a fumble and uh, returned that for a touchdown in the spring game. But he's a guy who I think might inch his way into the starting lineup at some point. It sounds like UNC is going to be running a three-three-five defensive package. Um, so there's going to be ample opportunities for uh, for the DBs to get onto the field. But I mean, Storm Duck. Storm Are you kidding Duck. Me? Quack, quack, baby. That's the best college sports name I've heard since Bull Bull. And yeah. Bull Bull was taken from us way too early. Yeah. You know, he just yeah. he got injured in January. And we never heard from him again. Now he's in the NBA. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Bull Bull was a favorite of mine. Uh, he's no Taco Wallace, but I think, uh, you know, Storm Duck's pretty damn good. I mean, that's that's about as good as you're going to get this day and age. So what do you, what do you think about North Carolina's spring overall, Tim? Not not a terrible spring, um, you know. Mac's gonna do what Mac does, so the uh, the player additions and the momentum on the recruiting trail don't necessarily surprise me. 
I expected that. I think they made some interesting hires as far as defensive coordinators go, so their spring is going to be really about kind of adjusting to those guys, and especially fall practice when it gears up. They've got Phil Longo coming in, who runs the air raid. Is he going to run the air raid, or is Mac going to kind of guide him a little bit in what he's able to call? We'll see. I assume he's going to bring over the air raid, uh, which would put more pressure um, on the quarterback. So, you know, that's always something to think about. And then you have Bateman, who with Army was fantastic, but uh, has never, you know, Army super ground control offense running the option. Um, that really is super helpful for anybody on the defensive side of the ball because the defense is getting, you know, about six minutes to seven minutes of rest every time the offense goes on the field. So, you know, my impression really of their spring was that there are wholesale changes coming to that program, and it's going to be a matter of how they adapt to those changes in scheme that determine, you know, are they a slightly sub-500 football team or are they going to make a bowl game this year? I'd be surprised to see a bowl, um, but you certainly never know with the uh, momentum that Matt can bring, and I think that this UNC team in particular was far more talented than their record led on. I thought Fedora was just an awful coach. Um, and I, I think we'll see immediate rewards there for them on the uh, on the playing field come fall. And, uh, yeah, interesting interesting to see the return of the Mac will be the cool thing. And Dre Bly's defensive backs are either going to be amazing or a complete trash fire, and I am here to uh, find out. Either way, it's Mutt's Watch TV. Um, Amen. Larry Fedora, now analyst at the University of Texas. You go from head coach to <laughs> analyst. Kind of in a sting in like a couple of months yeah. <laughs> you know it's that's uh that's quite a fall but uh yeah. you know hey maybe he can go reset maybe learn a few things from tom herman i don't think we're gonna see him as a head coach again at least at the power five level um definitely wouldn't be surprised to see him end up as a coordinator somewhere no but uh yeah head coaching days at the power five level i think are are over for mr fedora yeah he got a, he got a little bit weird there with some of his takes towards the uh end of last season so yeah i mean the concussion stuff regardless of how you feel about it don't touch it with a 10-foot pole man not in your position no and don't comment on it you know you mentioned possible possibility of a bowl for north carolina i think if they get a bowl then Everybody in the coastal must have had a terrible season. Yeah, that's it, to me it, their it path could to a bowl. Yeah, it, so, it, it could happen. You could run into a scenario where um, an almost five hundred team ends up winning the division. I mean, that's how wacky I could see that side of ACC being. And it's the coastal. I mean, wacky is what we do best, and, and there is no there is no Clemson on that side. And I don't expect no. there to be a Clemson on that side next year either. Um, no. So it's really, you well, know, top let's three, it it's way. anybody's game top three, as if, we discussed. If Nikosi Perry ends up being the quarterback for Miami, then they are going to take that division by storm. <laughs> you nailed it. I can't argue with facts like that, Justin. No. No, Nikosi Perry's a joke of a quarterback. But anyways, <laughs> um, you know, one thing to be that I thought was interesting around North Carolina, and I'm I'm not sure that I knew this, but I knew that they've had like a slew of injuries over the last couple of seasons. Right. So 14 players didn't play Saturday due to injuries, or I shouldn't say Saturday. The spring game was a few, few weeks ago. <laughs> that but Saturday. 14 players didn't play on the Saturday of the spring game due to 
the injuries that they suffered in the spring or just they didn't participate at all in spring practice. That is a program that actually had an internal investigation in 2017 as to why all of their guys kept getting hurt. Yeah. And we have no idea what that study said or what it brought back because they didn't publicize it. But I'm guessing since we don't know, it wasn't very good. Um, but who knows? I mean, why guys get hurt or you, we see it at Virginia Tech occasionally. Like it just seems yeah. like, you know, you, you got a couple of guys that are just injury prone or, you know, what's going on. But with the way that practices are structured these days, like I don't think it's teams being too hard on players. I just think it's rough luck or turf or something that nobody knows about. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be. Also, if you're a conspiracy theorist like me, uh, where are the Jordan brand cleats being manufactured? And is it is it shoddy manufacturing? Is it questionable labor? I don't know. You know, isn't Nike going to sue me? Uh, for discussing this yeah look i don't know but i've certainly got my tinfoil hat on maybe the zion situation is what's happening at the unc football program that's it we just solved that mystery was he wearing nikes or was he wearing jordans you know i don't know but i why do why do i feel like that they were they were nikes i think they were nikes but my guess is they're manufactured in the same spot Amen. So we just solved one of the world's greatest mysteries, which is what happened to the UNC football program and why are the shoes causing all the injuries? So done. Fascinating. Speaking of scandals, Tim, uh, you might have remembered. Oh, by the way, that wraps up our spring recap for Louisville and North Carolina. Again, we'll be previewing what to expect from them in 2019 later in the summer right before the games are released, which cannot come soon enough. But jumping back into it, Tim, uh, last season, right around the college football playoff time frame, we saw a couple of high-profile, well, really one high-profile Clemson player and a couple of uh, role players suspended for, for drugs. And the reason I bring this up is because back in the news, uh, there were two players that remained on that team, Braden Galloway and Zach Jalea. They are no longer eligible to play in 2019. And why is that? Well, what happens with performance-enhancing drugs, Tim, is if you test positive for performance-enhancing drugs, you have to forfeit an entire season. And by forfeit, it doesn't mean you can redshirt. It means that year is gone, and you're not getting it back. And so... What's odd about this is even Clemson came out, and not that I'm going to say like Clemson wouldn't dare cover something like this up, but the amount of this drug that was in their system was so small, it triggered that it might have been a contaminated product. And then right. they were drug tested two months before and two months after that test, and they cleared all three players that were indicated. So it seems like this is just one of those NCAA rules where they're just hitting the hammer on two guys that aren't super high profile. It would have been really interesting, Tim, had Dexter Lawrence been a sophomore. Oh, yeah. Come back, and then this happened to him, and then he'd have to sit out his junior year. Yeah, then real decisions would have to be made. And, yeah, I mean, that's it certainly seems harsh from what I read, but – 
you know, I don't know enough about it to know if, you know, these samples, given that they were trace amounts, um, how likely a, you know, an, an issue with the actual testing would have, would have caused trace amounts to show up. You know, I don't know the science enough behind it, but, you know, I, from what I can tell, a lot of other programs are not running into the same issue. So um, that may be why the NCAA is deciding to drop a hammer on Clemson here, because this is uh, it's a big deal. I mean, these are these are big time PEDs and, um, you know, they're dangerous for these kids to take. So this, this is actually one time where I will actually agree with the NCAA on one of their rulings. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if I agree with it or not because I don't know all of the details around it. Uh, you only hear what is given to you in the press, mm-hmm. and I don't really believe the press sure. that often these days. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, they are done for 2019. Uh, don't do drugs. It just seems odd that there's such a harsh rule on performance-enhancing drugs but the rules around other drugs aren't nearly as harsh. Sure, sure. No, so I, I just I, I agree just with wonder that. why I just wonder why that is. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's that's my question for the day. Yeah, and that's a good question. There's a lot of double standards when it comes to that stuff. Um, you know, not only in sports, but um, it transcends everything in, in everyday life in America. However, the the one point. Um, that I think I, I will also uh, make here is if the NCA sets a precedent to where they aren't punishing these kids for PEDs, um, just like they've done with the transfers and things like that, I think that's a slippery slope. Um, so, you know, if you've set out this, this no tolerance policy for PEDs and there are trace amounts uh, present, I think you kind of have to take the stand that they did um, because the rule is strict for a reason. Um, but, you know, I, I just think it's funny how anytime someone gets hit with steroid tests or drug tests that show performance-enhancing drugs, they never know when it got in their system. It just baffles me. You know, yeah, you, just, no, that, you just, what, you're walking through the locker room and, and you slip on a needle at some point and forget about it? Like, that's yeah. the part that cracks me up. It, it, no one ever knows. You know, oh, absolutely not. Not me. Come on. It, uh, it, cer- it certainly They got sucks. deltoids coming out of their ear, ear canals, and, and they don't want yeah. to admit that they've been taking PEDs. Yeah, it certainly sucks for the guys that, you know, maybe they did take a contaminated substance and just had no idea, and then they try to use that excuse. Right. Nobody believes you. I know. No one. And it's just, it's been been ruined. Nor nor should they. I mean, (laughs) you know, you had Mark McGuire saying similar things when he couldn't even move his freaking arms. They were the size of tree trunks. And, you know, you had guys talking about, oh, you know, that's uh, probably my water or something. Come on. Come on, man. I, yeah. You know, that's a that's a conversation for a different day. But Oh, my trainer gave me a Sudafed. It must have been tainted yeah. in the factory. I, I only take Advil, cold and sinus. There well, must that must yeah. have been a contaminated. Yeah. It all is. Um Moving on from drug tests to revenue. Uh college football revenue tem, the results for Power 5 conferences were released. Just thought some of it was interesting. ACC revenue was up 11%, which, you know, if I was going to invest in something, I got 11% return in a year. I'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah. Uh, it's It made it seem like that wasn't that big of a deal. Um, and then if you compare it to other conferences, 
the Big Ten made $54 million, or no, excuse me, it paid each of their schools $54 million because of the size of their payout. SEC, 43.7 per team. Big 12, 34.7. Pac-12, ACC, $29.5 million. But the reason I bring that up is there's one school in particular that over the last two years, as far as revenue generated and or donor money given, they've hit the $140 million mark. You want to guess which program that is? Which program is that? Take a guess. Alabama. Nope. Really? It's the team that just can't seem to beat them. Georgia. Georgia. Wow. Kirby Smart can do some uh, investor relations, if I've ever seen it. That is an incredible number. I mean, we all knew Georgia had deep pockets, but $140 million in two years? I mean, that's insane. That's absolutely asinine. I mean, as a proud Hokie Club member. (laughs) Go Hokies, baby. I don't give that much money. Like, probably around $500 a year. And I'm, like, in the top 9,000 of donors. (laughs) (laughs) Okay? (laughs) If... I did that at Georgia. They'd probably just send me a check back with like a 10% bump and be like, just keep, save your money, son. <laughs> save Absolutely. Your money. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's kind of where we're at with the University of Georgia right now. So, yeah, I don't know. Man. That just blew me away. Yeah, that that is absolutely mind-blowing. I mean, college football is so big. It's so big. So... We have a little announcement to make. We are, in order to bring you the best content, that is, we're going to be power ranking uh, any topic within reason um, over the next few shows, but we need your help to come up with those topics. So if you have something that you want power ranked, maybe, uh, you know, the best grilled cheeses you've ever had. Oh. Maybe... um, you know, best vacation, maybe best baseball team. Just to give you an idea, next week we are going to be bringing you a power ranking of our top five best minor league baseball team names. We want to hear your topics. Send those to us on social media. Text us. Let us know. Drop us a note on our website, chowderandgrits.com. Uh, but it's something we're pretty excited about. And, uh, Tim, I hope your minor league baseball game is as strong as mine. I think it is, and we're certainly going to find out. I mean, we're going to put our wits to the test here. Um, We'll bring up, obviously, the best ones. I think both of our lists are going to be fairly comprehensive, and you know, we'll definitely hit on the good ones. But I'm excited to see what you come up with, man. I think it's going to be a fun time. And and to the listeners out there thinking about what categories you'd like to see us power rank, uh, our specialties really uh, hover around the food areas. Um, (laughs) So maybe lean into that a little bit. Uh, you know, movies, TV shows, music, anything like that, I am happy to offer up uh, Power Ranking, and I can guarantee that they will be the best. I can promise you that. Uh, you're going to be hearing a lot of T-Swift from me if music is involved. <laughs> Rightfully so. Rightfully so. She's great. Okay, well, Tim, unless you had anything else, any uh, any final shout-outs coming your way? Um, 
you know, there was one I was thinking of. Ah, yes. Shout out uh, to Alex Trebek, who it turns out... I knew you were going to shout him out. ...is somehow beating, or at least improving greatly, uh, in his battle against stage 4 pancreatic cancer, which, if you know anything about pancreatic cancer... Um, is almost terminal. Uh, his survival rates are almost nil on stage four pancreatic cancer. And Alex Trebek is beating cancer's ass. So way to go. Huge props. Um, yeah, I, that makes me so happy. That guy has gone about fighting cancer in the absolute best way, has stayed positive in the face of adversity that I hope I never uh, have to understand. And uh, you love to see that. And, you know, Maybe others will will take from him that mindset goes a lot a long way in, in curing a lot of different ailments. So, um, you know, along with medical treatment, of course. Um, but yeah, shout out to to Mr. Trebek. Keep doing what you do. Speaking of Jeopardy, have you caught the uh, new or the guy who's won like two million dollars? I have not. I haven't followed it closely, but I've been you know tracking it. Yeah, he's actually. Uh from close by to where I am, but uh, yeah, I haven't seen an episode yet. I'm trying to catch him. Jeopardy comes on at 3.30 in Chicago. What? So you gotta remember to record it, or else uh, people work, so you're Three, not gonna see it. 3.30? I'm, I'm doing math on a scratch notepad here, and taking Eastern Time Zone to practicing Central Time Zone, and the numbers are not adding up. No, no, it, it's really odd, but uh, you know, I want to give a shout out to my boy Hips, became a daddy today. Hips, so, uh, congratulations. congratulations. Is it, it a boy changer. or a girl? It's a boy. Little oh, boy, man. Little, little hokey. You know? There's going to be a lot of toss in his future. Get your mitt ready. Uh, Mom is an Auburn Tiger, so it's a little house divided there action, but you know, that can coexist until they War, each other. War, damn eagle, baby. Yeah, exactly. But uh, that is our show for today. Uh, we are Chowder and Grits. You can listen to us in a variety of ways. Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, or Stitcher. We highlighted this earlier, but Tim, why don't you go ahead and remind the people what they can do for us? Please, please, please leave five-star reviews. Tell your friends about the podcast on every social media network that you have access to. Spread the word far and wide because another listener uh, to Chowder and Grits, the podcast, means uh, more longevity to our ability to keep recording these and more outreach for us and increases the chances that we'll get tickets to the next ACC football kickoff, which is the ultimate goal. So, um, yeah, if you could, leave those reviews, leave those comments, keep uh, sending us suggestions on content you'd like to see, and we appreciate any and all feedback that we get. So, uh, you know, thank you guys for all you do. We're seeing the increased listens on our tracking, and uh, we really, really appreciate it. It doesn't go unnoticed. Um, so, yeah, we hope to continue to keep bringing you great content. Duke and Wake Forest coming up next week. Spring game recaps. Send us your mailbag questions and or power ranking topics. See you guys next week. And with that, we will leave this with a go ACC and go Mr. Trebek. <laughs>